Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. Okay, not so serious Sunday, and we have a guest. We do. Emilio Merritt. Hey, he is uh, an actor, a screenwriter. Um, he has a script he's actually going to talk about today. Yeah. And um, also, Latino, you're from Mexico, mm-hmm. so you're cultured compared to... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I'm just throwing things out there. It's but uh, we, we actually, um, Evan and I and Emilio all met in acting class back in uh, how knows who knows how long but when we we're probably starting like ten, out like 10 years, 10 years ago, ago probably 2006 yeah. yeah yeah pretty much and um yeah and so we all kind of uh bonded through that and we've uh i don't know been friends ever since and yeah and kind of reconnecting too recently so we were like let's bring him on let's bring him on the talk and have a big discussion about all this yeah absolutely so uh you know the natural thing for me is okay so you have you have this script we've actually got a table read Mm-hmm. Uh, and the today. first reading mm-hmm. of it later on today. Yeah, it was the first reading. I mean, I wrote two plays in Mexico, and I directed them, and I won hours as a best director in there, in Mexico, for the two plays. So I've, I've done it, you know, the readings and stuff. It's stressful when you have to, you know, put the people together and stuff, but it's very fun to do it. Um, but this is my first screenplay, and this is my first screenplay in English. Which is, is you know, <laughs> right? It's a little bit out of your comfort zone. It's 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 hard. It's hard because um, um, yeah, it's just it's just grammar and stuff, and you know, it's a lot of things. Yeah. So, why why did you? I guess I want to know why you decided to write the movie. I don't know how much you want to divulge about your script oh, today, it's okay. no but um, you know, sort of what your script's about and the content of it, as well as. Um, I'm interested why you chose to write something in some in a language yeah, yeah. that's not your first yeah of course spoken language. Well, um, well, I moved back to Vancouver because I met these guys in 2006 and came back to Mexico, lived there for five years and then I came back uh, two years ago. So um, now I'm a resident in Canada and of course you know I have to do things in English. So <laughs> I would love so to do it in Spanish, right? But I'm like you know, so that's why. Even though my in my script there is a part of happens in Mexico, as well happens in Lebanon and happens in France. So yeah, it's a, it's no babble, but <laughs> there's uh, Spanish speaking. Actually, I've read the script. It's pretty neat the way you wrote it because there's certain parts of the dialogue where it's written in actual. It's written in Spanish, but it doesn't tell you how it's what they're saying. So the, right. and the guys doesn't speak Spanish. So being the and I was reading thinking as the main character, right? And I, I don't speak Spanish very well. So for me there are certain things they were saying and I was like, okay, I don't really know what they're saying. And then there's other parts where it's where it's written in English but it's supposed to be subtitled in Spanish. So right. it's actually written in English. So this is the part that he understands, right? Mm-hmm. Or the part that we're supposed to understand as an, as a narr- as the narration goes. So exactly. it was a cool little technique you used. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's difficult because um, the story starts in Lebanon, in Beirut, in 1975. So it's in Arabic, and then moved to English, and then moves to Spanish, and then moved to, Fran- to, to 
French. So it's difficult to write something so the, the people who read it can understand what's going on. You know, it's, it's, well, it's yeah. a challenge, but yeah, it's absolutely. cool. It's I th- cool. I think what you achieved, though, is a very, like, multicultural script, which is really cool. I mean, you know, I think it's, it's uh, that's the nice thing, you know, uh, uh, coming coming from this and, and primarily making a script in English, but then not just being comfortable and just doing Spanish, but then pushing yourself to figure out how to have other languages in there and other cultures and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And um I mean I know a little bit about the story. Um but do you want to do you want to tell people what the story is about like kind of the basic idea? Uh, yeah, it's about um a family in Limano that was separated in the civil war in 1975. And then, is this a true story or is No. This... Oh, okay. I mean it's not a true story true story but the, what happened is that I'll give a little background about this. I grew up in the south of Mexico in a place called Merida. Um so when I was a kid I was, my, the people around me was Lebanese, Mexican Lebanese, but I never, I never, like, I was a kid and I, I never really, you know, so they're from Lebanon, I'm, I'm from Mexico, whatever, I never, you know, have this separation of people because they were Mexican and they speak Mexican and, you know, but they actually were, their parents migrated from, from Lebanon for the Civil War. But I never had this click about this. But the Lebanese uh, culture in, in Merida and the sound of Mexico is huge. It's, it's very big. Um, and I have a lot of friends in Lebanese. And I know about the food and stuff like that. But I never had this click about the war or whatever, right? So I saw this movie, which is a, it's a Canadian play. I don't know if have you guys seen it. Um, in, in, it's a Canadian screenplay? It's, screen it's, it's, it's in yeah, it's a screen, it's a theater play. Uh, oh, okay. It's a screenplay. No. It's, it was on stage. Yeah, how do you say screenplay? A, a, play. a play. A screenplay is a, screenplay. a script for movies. Yeah. yeah and, uh, or stage play. Sometimes stage, they can usually, say stage yeah, usually play. say stage play if yeah. it's on stage. Yeah, it's stage, a stage yeah. play and then they do the movie. Oh, they okay. They do an adaptation of the movie. Incendio is the name. I don't know the name in English. Incendio? In- Incendio? Incendio... Something, or or something. was it like incendie or something? Was it yeah. in French? Or yeah, something? it's it's French Canadian. Right. Yes, I I never saw that, but I know that it uh, it did quite well. Yeah, actually. So yeah, I saw the plane in Mexico. Uh, they 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 did this amazing, amazing. Uh, they, they, it was amazing. The play was amazing, and it was so touching and stuff. And then I watched the movie, and the, I, you have to watch that movie because it's just it's just a stunning movie. It's just crazy. So it's when I click with, oh, about, you know, the the difference. And so I start reading about Lebanon and what happened in Lebanon is, well, they're more, most Christian people. And then after uh, the Palestinians arrived because they were expelled from <laughs> from Palestine, they yeah. moved to Beirut and blah, blah, blah. Um, so there's this um, separation with Christ, Christians and, and Muslims. Um, so the movie's about that, and then I click with the things that I, I live in Merida, and then I said, wow, that's a cool, cool, cool subject to work. And then, and then I got the name, the name of my character, which is a Muslim name, which is Malik. And then it's like, I started working around and having ideas, and then it turns out to be this script that I wrote. That happens in Vancouver, the main character, it's a Canadian, uh, but has all this background with Lebanon and, and Mexico. Well, like. yeah, I mean, it's a drama, and the whole, I mean, like, you'll, you'll tell the synopsis of this in a second, but it, what's really interesting is that the whole cultural element of your movie is actually 
quite tied to the fact that you have this, um, it is seamlessly because you don't really see it happening because his history as a, as a, as a person and where his family has come from, um, has basically created this cultural, like intermingling that actually happens, which is the basis of the entire drama. And it's what's separated his family and kind of, you know, made him kind of have to almost identify himself without knowing where he really came from in truth or really who was who in his life. And obviously there's a lot of emotional things. And what was really neat, just an added little feature, I want to say, (laughs) one of the things I loved about the read was that his mom has kind of like a Alzheimer's dementia situation going on and she doesn't recognize him. And those scenes, those particular scenes always make me super emotional as as I read it. I mean, because he's talking to his mom and his mom doesn't recognize him, you know, and he, he, and she's gets kind of creeped out if he tries to be too close with her because she, he just seems like a stranger. Right. It's a really, really powerful scenes, but these, 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 he doesn't have the family necessarily to go to for all the answers, which is pretty neat, you know, and the, just the character. One thing I always try to teach in movie making is I always try to say, make your characters very flawed, you know, or find a flaw in them. Mm -hmm. And you found flaws in him and you found flaws in these other characters. And since it's a drama, it reads very real. It has a very like humanistic thing where you're dealing with real issues that, you know, things that we might be scared of dealing with, um, you know, that obviously could happen to our parents or older people that we care about. Um, so yeah, but anyway, yeah, but I have to add this, um, yeah, I wrote my character with a little flaws. And then Brandon read it and was like, this guy has more flaws that, <laughs> that good things. And it was true. I mean, kind of I knew it, but when Brandon told me, like, yeah, this character has a lot of flaws. So that's a good thing. That's a good one. You, if you write on a screenplay, don't go with a lot of flaws. <laughs> don't go with a lot of flaws with your character. You think you went with too many flaws? Yeah, I got too many and I didn't have a lot of good things about my character. Oh, oh, no, I see. When, I, when I'm talking about flaws, I, I'm actually talking about a bit differently. But I know what you're talking about. What I was saying was that your character wasn't as likable in the beginning of the story. Those, those aren't necessarily flaws. I, I mean, actually, I want to clarify this point. I think it's a good point. But in a story, if anybody's a screenwriter... Um, if we don't like your character within the first like 15 20 minutes if we if we don't like them and we're not and they're not really strange and interesting we can maybe not like them but they need to be really interesting we're not going to want to follow their journey and what was really interesting was because I've read it twice now and the first draft that you showed me the character was not super likable in the beginning he was kind of he did some things that were a little careless a little mean a little inconsiderate in my opinion but then you did, you applied those and you rewrote it and made him a lot more likable, but not like in an obvious way, but just things that like, for example, there's a scene where he walks in to talk to his dad and the original one I read, he kind of gets mad at his dad for smoking. And, uh, then you rewrote it and you put, um, you asked him how his day was. And it was just that one little churn, you know, that like that showing care for his father that just changes the way you look at the character, yeah. right? Because if he comes in and kind of takes his dad for granted you're kind of like oh you're kind of a spoiled brat you're kind of a jerk but when he comes in and says you know how's your day and obviously as you find out about the story his dad has some health issues it's just a lot more considered a lot more caring and then we like the character more I found that yeah yeah and I think that uh, just to get into a a broader perspective that's one of the things I I absolutely love about screenwriting uh, is when you find things, especially when you're doing your rewrites and you and you find these things, you're like, oh, you know, I want to I want to build this up a little bit more. I want this to come through a little bit more clearly. And 
you know, sometimes you can achieve these things with such a small thing like that, Mm -hmm. just by saying like a character saying, how was your day? You know, just like this subtle shift, like it can mean, and like for me, one of my favorite movies of recent years was, um, Whiplash. I know I've talked about that quite a bit. He has, and it's <laughs> on, a great movie. And it's so <laughs> great. But the thing, like, it's, it's for me in terms of, like, obviously it was directed and performed so well, but I was very much aware of how well written it was while I was watching it because and how well constructed it was and how efficient the storytelling was. and But still, in, where everything was just still so meaningful. That's what I mean by efficient. Like, everything is meaningful. Like every shot, every interaction, everything that is said carries some sort of weight and actually makes you feel something about everybody. Yeah. Uh, And, and it can be done with such a small, with such a small thing. Yeah. Yeah. I might. Yeah. Sorry. That, that just going on that I read this, the script from, uh, from, um, Whiplash. Whiplash. Yeah. I don't know if you guys read the script. But the rhythm of the script is just amazing. Mm. Because I mean, the movie rhythm is great, you know? Pa, yeah. pa, 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 pa. So I want to see how the script is, you know? How, how you feel this rhythm on the script. And it's amazing how the words get caught and then, you know, dot, 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 and then jumps to the dialogue. And the way it's written is amazing. Mm. It inspires me a lot, the script. Right. I, I've actually never read it, but now I'm... I'm gonna. I, I'm going to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a yeah. There's a there's a few scripts actually um, that you know you find as you go through this process where like the best screenwriting gurus and whatnot will always recommend them, and uh, I would not be surprised if that's one of the better ones to look at for creating a drama because, I mean, there's so much. I I always try to talk to this of like new screenwriters. I say like when you're writing a script it's an experience. It's a magic trick. And you want the audience to forget that they're even reading it. And if you do these little things, like if you're imprecise, I I could see why you'd be nervous about getting your spelling and your grammar right. Because every time there's a grammatical error or, you know, you don't really do the typeface properly, or you kind of, you know, you just, you, you, you double space a line and it's noticeable. And those little things, they just take you out of the magic trick. They, they pull you away. Mm -hmm. And, um, one thing that I would say is like anybody who wants to be a professional screenwriter, the more that you can keep me in the magic trick or the reader in the magic trick, the, the, you have a huge advantage because you could write a great script, but then have these little flaws and they really like, yeah. they jar you because you, you go, Oh, yeah. you notice it. And then you realize, Hey, I'm reading a script again and you just get back into it. But it's enough to break that emotional kind of spell that's been mm-hmm. on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, for me, for example, I have also is if, I like friends, you and, and other friends have read the script and they told me like, nobody said that in English. And I was like, I'm just trying to translate how I'll say it in Spanish. And I was like, nobody said that in English. And I was like, yeah, of course. And that, you know, that stops the reading and, and blah, blah, blah. But uh, well, which... let, let me say this because I've, I've read it twice now and I found that your, you, you warned me about that, but I found your script to be quite well crafted. Thanks. And it, that tells me that you're clearly going out there and you're figuring out how to do this. Um, so for someone who, say, is English is their second language, who's writing a script, what kind of, like, recommendations would you give them? How did you spearhead that to make sure that, you know, it was a good read for someone who, like myself, who reads a lot of scripts and my first language is English? Yeah. And to have it be, pr- like, pretty much seamless. There's very few errors, I found. Thank you. No, I, I mean, each scene I would write it, like no line 25 times 
uh, first I just write what it comes to my mind, and then I edit the scene, like the story, the characters, and then after I, I'm happy with the scene, start writing the English, and then I go to the... To oh, the, so you write in Spanish first? No, I, I write in, 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 in English, okay. but a very bad English, okay. very, very bad English. <laughs> it's <laughs> interesting to see your If first, you read my first, first my first scene, it's like, what? <laughs> even though sometimes I don't understand why I wrote, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then so I go to the dictionary and then change, and then... The thing is, right now, in this, with this technology, like we can have like in our computer like thousands of um, screens open with yeah. you know synonyms and dictionary and looking for things that you don't know how to say and then and then a thousand of people who help you out on, on the internet so you just write how do you write this or how do people say this and people answer you so that's amazing too right so so you so you check your work a lot and you and you're willing to do the rework you're willing to rework it until you get it proper yeah. and the other thing is it sounds like uh something you told me too is that you, you know, you reached out to me and you reached out to other people to kind of make sure it was pinpoint perfect. Mm -hmm, yeah. So, um, how did you go about that? About what, sorry? Just about going out to people, like, you know, because I mean, uh, like, how did you pick who, who would read your script, oh, who would give you advice? Well, I, I, I picked Trish Allen, who she's my, he, she's helping me with my English and stuff, and she's amazing vo voice coach in Vancouver. And then I wrote this, actually I wrote the role from, for the mom for her. Um, one of the first things that I wrote was um, the mom with Alzheimer because I want her to play that character. And I think she's a great actress and she, she's a great, she, she's a great actor and she doesn't have, she, she should be famous or whatever, but you know. <laughs> but um, anyway, so, so I wrote. So help her. <laughs> at least with this script. Yeah, yeah. So she loved it when I when I uh, show her the first time. Of course, I show her. I'm in the draft sixteen right now, so I show her the draft three. I guess. What? Just sixteen? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's it. <laughs> so, I, I side note caveat: anyone who writes scripts, I I think like sixteen times, and you're still reworking it. And we're gonna do a table read, and you're probably gonna rework it again. This is the reality of what it takes to write a professional script. So if you think that you're going to come out with your first draft and you're going to like nail it, <laughs> and if you think you've nailed it, you know what I mean? Like, I, but you know what? There's something interesting, and I, and I know you have some more to say, but I want to say this is that there's a lot of people whose first language is English, and they don't take the, the care into their script. You know, and I've seen you take a lot of care in your script, and I, I, I really appreciate that. And I know that people who are higher up in the industry, they really appreciate that. And I think that taking care into your script to make sure it visually looks amazing, that you've articulated your ideas as clearly as possible to make it easy for me as a reader yeah. to experience it, and I mean me as a reader as anyone who's going to read it, um, that... That is what it takes to be a professional. And when I read your script, I was actually surprised at how professional Thanks. quality it was. Yeah, well, also, um, after Trish reviewed the English, blah, 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 but it doesn't matter anymore because she hasn't reviewed the 16, so it's like she didn't do anything, right? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, but one of the things, and I would like to recommend this book to the people who listen, is the Bible of screenwriting. Oh, the, the screenwriting Bible. The screenwriting Bible. Yeah. They're in the sixth edition. So I took the book in the library... It was the third edition. 
So I didn't think it was going to be very different the 6th edition, but yes, it is. It is different the 6th edition. So if you can get the 6th edition. I'm going to have to update my version of it. Yeah, it's good. Uh, and then, because the little details that you don't know how to write, like intercuts or montages or, or um, like it's different languages or whatever, you know. So things that you don't know how to write and maybe you can Google, but you're not sure about it. Um and then I read this interview I want a screenwriter the, what's the name of the screenwriter who won the Oscar, the Oscar? No, the um, Gondel Globe for um, the Golden Globe for for, this year. Uh, for uh, Jobs Aaron oh uh, Aaron Sorkin yeah Aaron Sorkin always wins <laughs> yeah, yeah Aaron Sorkin so it's like he puts something out and it's like yeah, it's like can that man his awards <laughs> <laughs> well in an interview he said he recommend that book that's what I, I mm. yeah mm. he recommend that book and I went to the library so it should be very interesting if he'd recommend it and yeah it's a very good book for these little details that you need to know how to write right because it's very specific Right, this is very specific, which is very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so let's so let's go let's go back a little bit. Um, well, two things. One is we never actually talked about flaws. We talked about character likability mm-hmm. and interest. When I, I just want to make sure that this point's clear to anyone who's on the other side, and it's uh, a flaw is not. It, it's not. It actually is only there to make your character more human. Um, and your character was very well flawed, in my opinion. And by flaws, it's. Things that make it a little more difficult for the character to do life. Um, it's an impediment. It's something that can slow you down or make it more difficult for you to achieve goals. Yeah, like, uh, you know, it. and the thing is, like, we talk about there's these technical terms, but, I mean, and, and it's funny because it's it can be easy to look at these types of things and look at it simply from a technical way and we label it with these things. I mean, a flaw, I mean, we're all, we all have flaws. We all have these, and usually the most interesting ones are the internal ones, you know, mm-hmm. or, or the, as opposed to the sort of blocks that are in your character's way that are external. You yes. know, the, mm-hmm. the more interesting mm-hmm. ones are always internal because we all have them. Mm-hmm. You know, we all come face to face with these challenges, these, these things that, uh, these patterns, behaviors that we have that we come up against, we have troubles defeating or overcoming. And that's really what we're talking about is like incorporating that <laughs> incorporating yeah. what's actually human into it because a flaw is, is making your, your character mm-hmm. human. Nobody's it's making perfect. more human. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a, you know, there's this um, concept of idea. I don't know if I originated the idea and someone's going to be like, no way you did. But, um, but I think it's a, it's something you stumble across as a screenwriter, a storyteller eventually is the Superman complex where your character is so perfect that it's boring because I mean when Superman is written without any flaw without any challenge he does have flaws if you, if you're a good writer you know how to find them if you're um, a very amateur writer I think you wouldn't because you would just go oh he's perfect he's Mr. Perfect but he has flaws he has things like he doesn't know who his real parents are he doesn't he's different he's different than every other human being on earth although he looks the same no one really understands him there's all sorts of flaws that you can find other than kryptonite (laughs) and make him more interesting but when they skip all that stuff it doesn't work but when they add it in which i felt they kind of started to do with the more recent superman it starts to work but anyway that that was what i was pointing out with your character he had he had also flaws that he started with flaws he overcomes flaws that he kind of almost has during the middle because they come up through mm-hmm. life experience it's very interesting that way you yeah. did a good job at kind Thanks. of rounding him out Thanks. i think as an actor when we 
have the script or we have a play and then we approach it we want our character to be you know to be three-dimensional have flaws and have um, have a lot of things that make the character real and if you don't and if the script doesn't have it or the play doesn't have it you create something for for that so when you play it um, have more depth so I said the screenwriter said well I'm an actor so I, if I get this role I will have I would love to have this 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 with my character so I have more obstacles internal and external to go after yeah. my goals right so yeah so so your acting informed informed how to do this of type course of yes I, I I don't know I um, I, I, I don't know if I read it, but I saw it in a documentary of uh, Bas Luhmann, the director of Moulin Rouge. And oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Gatsby. And then he said, uh, he, he has his friend, partner, or I don't know who's he, they write the script together. Um, they act every scene when they write it, because they're actors, right? So they, everything that they write, they act. So, oh, she's dying, so they... Demonstrate what's the yeah. the wig on top of one of them. They, exactly. Uh, flip a coin, see who that's gonna be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's pretty cool, right? Because you you can leave it, you know. I think that's a good point. You know, I I think um, if you're if you're aspiring screenwriter, um, then then do some acting because yeah, of course, you know, because you're gonna you're gonna have to be better informed. I mean. There's so much. There's so much about experiencing what you write. Mm-hmm. Like, one thing is like I definitely would say as a writer, I've become more confident too because you know as you develop your acting, you develop your writing. But it's like not needing to tell the script what emotion is going on, and learning that you know like like I think a, a lot of writers who have never acted, they like to go, well, I want her to cry here. I want him to cry here, and it's like you don't really know what's going to happen yet. You know, you can go back to your Meisner talk, right? <laughs> <What's> <laughs> we don't, talk? Well, Evan's actually teaching a course on Meisner, teaching a series yeah, of I courses saw. on Meisner. I yeah. know that. You, you, you got it at school, right? Yeah, yeah, it's just awesome. it's just launched. So. The Players Creative. The Players Creative awesome. company. Yeah, company. that's awesome. Yeah. So if you're in Vancouver and you want to do some Meisner work and uh, you're, I'm, I'm, I'm pitching myself here. <laughs> well, just no, I mean, if you, yeah, if you yeah. want to do some Meister and you really want to get into your, like, if you really want to go beyond yourself as far as, as an actor and, and start to actually figure out what it is to lose yourself in a role, that's what I do. Right. <laughs> and I awesome. love doing it. Do you think you would, uh, do you think you would teach like writers who wanted to maybe learn acting? Potentially. Potentially? Potentially. I wouldn't say, yeah, I'll never say no to that. Mm-hmm. To, to something, but anyhow, yeah, um, yeah, to carry on with what you're saying, yeah, no, I think that's that's great to get things out of because things can get stuck in your head, yeah, you know, and and you have it sort of, and then when you actually put it out there, when it's physicalized, when it's made into something tangible, mm-hmm. into a voice, mm-hmm. you know, or a performance, and you go, oh, that's weird because sometimes what works in your head just doesn't actually, mm-hmm. it doesn't translate when it mm-hmm. when it makes itself real well and also i mean we all experience the world in our own way i mean we all have our own backstory and our own kind of relationships and and our own feelings about how to feel you know so we don't you know and and sometimes we don't know what we've created you know uh and so i think if we try to control that creation too much there's gonna and and definitely with film i mean it's just a 
it's a medium that is like many layers put on the blueprint of mm -hmm. the original idea, you know? And so it's interesting, like when you write a script, right? I think, uh, I don't know, you know, you, <laughs> you have to be ready for things to change a lot. Of course. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen. Right? Yeah. Since, since it, it, everything starts from the script and then once you get into production, production, everything changes as well there. And then you don't have that location or you don't have that actor, you don't have blah, 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 blah and then have to do rewrites have to do rewrites so yeah yeah find ways to make it work and then in, in post-production and the editing you know i work in a film in mexico called chavez is with michael peña and rosario dawson and um i was I, I was ad there third ad and then second ad um so i learned a lot a lot a lot so the first the first script that i read when because i also i did casting the the small roles not the major roles, the Mexican roles. Uh, it's supposed to happen in L.A., but it was shot in Mexico. Um, so I, when I was doing the casting, I read the script. And then when I watched the movie, it was another, another movie. It was another movie. It was yeah. just like nothing that we shoot. I mean, some scenes <laughs> that we shoot, uh. some scenes that we shoot, but it was another movie. Like, I was like, where's the script I read? The script was great. I mean... The movie's good, I'm not saying it's bad, you know, but the script was just outstanding. And something changes between production and post-production. So even your script is going to change at the end until, you know, and the premiere. It's, you don't, hopefully it's for the better, and yeah. sometimes it can be, you know, it can be for the worse. It's but. so interesting because there's so many things that, you know, you as an audience member, you know, don't have any sort of insight or, per, mm -hmm. you know, perspective on. You know, it's like, wow, like, because some, you know, how often have... You know, I'm sure all of us at some point have watched some movie and be like, like, wow, what a piece of shit. Exactly. Like, I can't, <laughs> no. I can't believe that this person and this person yeah. did this, you know, because yeah. you're like, what, how, why would they choose to do something? It's like, well, mm -hmm. it's because the movie that you saw is not even mm -hmm. the movie that they saw when they first read the script. Mm -hmm. you know, no. Who knows what happens in, mm -hmm. like, there's so many things that can go on in between, yeah, of course. in between there. I, I, in, in Chavez was another actor named, um, um, what's his name? Um, uh, I don't remember. There was an actor. Though. It was an actor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wes Bentley. Okay. He was an American beauty. He was the, the guy in American beauty. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I saw a movie with Heath Ledger and him uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Fourth Feathers. Oh, okay. Watch it. It was like a Civil War movie, wasn't kind of, it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like eight, no, like 12 years ago or something. Yeah. Um, so, Wes Bentley was in that movie. So, Wes Bentley was on Chavez, and we were talking one day, and it's like, oh, I love Four Feathers. And it's like, I think you were, he said, I think you're the only person to love that movie. And I said, like, no, I really love it. I really like the movie. And he was like, I'm not happy with that movie because it's not the movie we shot, and it's not the movie I read. Mm. So, the actor was so disappointed with the movie. And I thought the movie was great, right? So imagine how was the script. So, yeah, you never know. Yeah, you never know. And due to you this reason know. or that, and someone's just like, no, it's going to be too long, and or whatever it could be. I, I can only... Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, guess. and that's why, I mean, that's why we're trying to have these talks, too. Um, you know, actually, in the future here, we're going to have a pretty big producer come on board. But we can talk a little bit about, you know how how integrity and keeping your vision intact how important that is because sometimes the things that move a script forward are easier mm -hmm. but they're the very thing that actually will sell out your idea and also knowing when not to hold so tightly to something that you know 
And I think that these talks, maybe they can help people hash that stuff out. Like what, Mm -hmm. you know, when do you hold your grand ground and stand your ground and try and figure out uh, this thing is really what we're trying to say here. And where do you kind of go? Okay. You know, I'll let that, I'll let that go a little Mm -hmm. bit or, or whatever. And also, you know, when you're a beginning, you know, and you don't have any credibility necessarily behind you, you might be giving up a lot of things. And then there's a certain amount of, okay, your movie's getting made. So accept that. Exactly. You know, um, actually, uh, one thing too, is uh, just while I'm on this topic is, uh, I heard, um, several big producers say failure is not fatal. Like if you make one mistake, just remember that that's not going to end your career. You know, you'd actually have to do that quite a bit before people will stop working with you. And I'm, there's I'm a, sure that we can. <laughs> there's a couple of names that just started flowing through my mind. Yeah, and so there's <laughs> there's this idea that we get a lot of pressure on us about, oh well, if it's not great, I'll just I'll get out of the gate and my my career will be over. And it's like, no, it doesn't really actually work that way. You know, but but they said one great movie will make you great. They said you could fail a whole bunch of times, but if you make one great movie that's really all that matters. It only takes one great yeah. movie, but they said you could fail many, many times. And like many of these people who make a lot of money and are quite successful and continue to work have failed many times. So I think like also with your, you know, this is your first script, you know, you don't have that much pressure on yourself necessarily because at least you got something done. That's like, you know, yeah. that's mi- moving forward. Other so, than yeah, the pressure you, that you put on yourself. But yes. you hope that your first movie is the, the, the good one. You, you hope so. <laughs> you hope so. Of course, you, everybody you wants it to be The first one because, amazing, you know, right? everybody wants to work with you now. Um, yeah. I actually, it makes life easy. Yeah. But. I want to um, take this back just a little bit um, to, to your story yeah. that you wrote. So, I mean, you grew up, you know, around a Lebanese community. Mm-hmm. And you you saw this play, you saw the story about this this community, about about these these people, mm-hmm. um, and what? So what to me? Like you said, it's it's like oh, it was a cool subject matter, but well, I'm interested. Cool. <laughs> I mean, I'm interested in I'm interested in what well, what was the story? Like what? Because I always like to think that there's this point of inspiration that happens. And, and now was it? Was it this sort of this exodus that occurred? Was it this this sort of people who were who were fleeing this that got it all started, or was there a more personal story that that what was kind of the yeah. fire in you that that got set off about this story? Like what made you be like, I have to tell this story? I want to make a story about migration. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm, I've left my country. Not because I was kicked out of my country or because I, I left the country because I wanted to leave the country. Um, but I, like, I left the country. So I went to make a film about that. But I didn't want to make a Mexican migration film, you know. What else I can do? Yeah, cross the border or Donald Trump or whatever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're building a wall. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now it's going to be how you to jump the wall. Yeah. <laughs> or to do a tunnel. You get a dig, to, yeah. yeah dig, he's going to build dig. it high, he's going to build it deep, he says. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! That's a whole other talk. <laughs> so yeah, so I don't want to. I didn't want to write about that. Um, um, but um, at the same time, I want to like now. Like now that I'm here, and then you meet people that that were born in Vancouver, but their parents won, or they moved when they were kids. So there's kind of lack of identity, um, identity of your 
truly Canadian or you're truly Mexican or whatever your resident or your country is from. And then and and for example, me if I say, well, I'm proud to be Canadian, my f- Mexican friends they'll make fun of me, you know, because you're not Canadian, you know, you're born in Mexico. What are you talking about, you know? And if I'm Mexico and and it's, it's both ways, right? So. It start, you start to lose kind of an identity of who, who you are. And um, so that's one of the subjects I want to talk about, identity, mm. which is very important. Yeah. And, and then, um, and then my, my character has a, uh, a sexual identity. No issue. It's not an issue. It's just another, another, another thing, you know? A challenge. A challenge, exactly. <laughs> um, so at the, at the beginning was that identity thing, right? And then I have this, um, I have uh, this idea to make uh, my character um, Muslim because his sexuality. And then I said, no, I don't know anything about Muslim. It's a very dangerous subject. I don't want to get in there. Uh, so I, and I watched the movie and then I said, oh, of course, because Lebanese people is what's always the biggest Christian community in the Middle East. So I'm a Christian. So what? I'm not practicing Christianism, but I was born Christian. Oh, no, I wasn't born. I was raised Christian. And then, so I was like, this is something that I can relate. So I started reading about Libano, and then, yeah, there's something I can relate. And then I remember Merida, and that, that's it. So my characters come from Libano. So when I read, and then I started reading about the Civil War, and blah, 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 I was like, it has to be this. It has to be this. And this, I started writing, I started writing. So you went towards the thing that you were scared of originally. That you were like, I don't want to touch that. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, that's a good point. You know, that's bravery, right? That that's where really great stories come from. I think if it if it causes some kind of I shouldn't do that, then you, you should go towards it. Yeah, absolutely. Like go into it and explore it and see what see what comes out from yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And then now that I wrote the first the first act, rewrote the third act thanks to Brandon Notes, and I wanted to do this since the beginning. I wanted to do what I do now, but I was afraid to do it. I didn't want to do it, but I Brandon said no. Oh, what the hell? Just take the courage and write whatever you want to write. <laughs> so I did it. I wrote what I thought at the beginning of it. And let's see now on the reading how it's going to turn out. Cool. <laughs> That's how, 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 how are you feeling about it? Uh, I, as I said, originally I wanted to do that, but I was too scared of doing it. Like oh. emotional, and I thought like, that was too much. But let's see how it works. We'll have to do we'll have to do a follow up on the podcast. And yeah, see, see how it all goes down. Yeah, because, definitely. You know, um, you know, obviously it'll be my third read of the script. And, yeah. You know, uh, we'll see how it see how it all works. But I applaud you for being courageous enough to go there. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, courage when it comes to art, art yeah. and artistic expression is is one of the key ingredients. You know, is to is to say. I don't know how people are gonna gonna react to this. You know, I always think that making a decision, especially in art, like choosing to omit something to your message. This is something that I've even uh, come to realize as you know, building the school and telling people and communicating what what we're about. That there are things that I've actually withheld in my message because I'm afraid of what people might think if I say that. And then realizing that it's like, no, that's exactly what I need to say. Because it comes down to that, that honesty, that just truthful openness of this is what I'm saying. And you might hate it, but in order for you to, I feel, bring your full vision to bring all of the, the sort of creation that you have in you 
Yeah. It has to be with that, with that honesty. And that does take courage. I mean, because there's definitely fear that's going to come up. Yeah. Well, I think against you. as an artist, we expose our souls, you know, to people criticize or applaud or whatever. So it's our souls. It's, it's our core. And mm-hmm. we expose it to everybody. So we're very vulnerable, right? So if you're an artist and you're courage, you have like, you're brave, you actually open yourself. And of course, you're going to be afraid because you're open, you know? So people can say things to you and, you know, but you're yeah. so vulnerable. Yeah. But the opposite of that is you, is you don't say it, you know, if you, and the thing is, if you're not, if you don't give forth all of your expression of, of what that is, then, then, I mean, I, I, I think that there's going to be a dissatisfaction that always mm. exists within you too. You know, that's, that's, that's the rub of it. You know, of it's course. like you're doing, you're leaving things or you're not saying everything that you want because mm. of, you're afraid. At yeah. the end, that's still going to come around to bite you in the ass, I think, because you're like, I actually didn't say my whole truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it was, I didn't put it all out there because I was too afraid. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And like, that's like, that why? When, and you know, when mm-hmm. I say that now, that just makes me, that just makes me cringe. Yeah. It just makes me just feel so icky because it's like, yeah. oh, because you were too afraid. You didn't say like everything that you wanted, mm-hmm. you know, that was your truth. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> it is insane. You know, it is insane. I, you know, I remember uh, I've written, uh, well, I haven't actually completed this, uh, a play that I've been writing and it opens with, uh, pretty early on with this monologue from one of the antagonistic characters. You don't realize it's an antagonist, but you kind of find out as the story goes. And he says this thing, they work at a bank and he says this thing to the teller and he kind of goes off about, you know, just about people's physical appearance and in a way which what's what I read it later and I was like whoa this is like a really great thing I wrote but it was hard for me to write at the time but he kind of talks about the fact that if you don't take care of yourself the world notices and it's no like nobody has to be nice to you because you don't take care of yourself like nobody has to like that's and and he kind of just speaks this out and in a certain way there's this part of me that wants to be nice, that wants to be polite, that wants to be politically correct. But this character gave me the opportunity to say some things that I actually, deep down, probably really believe, which is that, you know, if you have bad breath and you're talking to me and you're in my space and I can smell your bad breath, I don't have to be okay with that. You know what I mean? And nobody else has to. And like, if you're someone that doesn't care and and everybody's polite, nobody wants to say anything, you know what I mean? And he kind of goes off. But he says it in a way which is maybe not politically correct or polite or nice. Yeah. But, you know, I think that's what we have as artists. We're able to sometimes, we have characters in which we can express ideas and because of their situation that they're in, they can say stuff. Like, you know, the the father character in your script, for example, he says some things, but, you know, you get it from his background, right? Like he's very, let's just say he's very judgmental of the gay community. Let's just put it that way, right? Um, and so, but from his background and there's lots of people that can connect with that idea, but it also kind of has that counterpoint to it, you know? And I I think that if you're not willing to go there and you're too scared, like what will people think of me if I write this, you never venture into these vulnerable kind of interesting things that people go, you know, that's true. It's kind of true. Even though I hate it, it's kind of true. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's also an important thing to do as an artist is to, is to shine light on our darkness. You know, there's nothing like a character that you really 
you really sort of, you can't stand in so many different ways, but then they, they say something, they do something that you go, it's like, oh, that's ugly, but I can't say that I haven't felt that way before. Mm-hmm. You know, it can, it can, using a, a character like that who, who has a certain perspective on the world, you know, who has almost a, a, a discompassionate sort of look at other people, mm-hmm. it can, it can point out the darkness that's within us too, mm-hmm. you know, and, and also say, it's like, okay, is that the kind of person that you want to be? Like, if this is true, if this is a part of who I am, mm-hmm. is that something that I, that I want to be, or is that right? for, for them to do that. Or, or, you know, I, I love that kind of stuff that just tosses you into a gray area. Um, there is a, a great movie that I don't think got a major release margin call. Uh, yeah, it had Kevin Spacey and Jeremy Irons and Demi Moore and man, phenomenal cast in it. Uh, Paul Bettany was mm-hmm. in it, and actually that's the character I was thinking of, and he has, and it's all, if you haven't seen, it's loosely based on the, on the, Crisis. on the Wall Street mm-hmm. crash, happened before the big short, <laughs> <laughs> I might add. Um, it was ahead of its time. Ahead of its time, and it, um, it was, it, there was this scene where, where Paul Bettany is talking about, as a guy who's, who's now gone, he's, he's a, you know, they're, he realized they're about to screw a lot of people over and he is so kind of just could care less about, about all of it because, and he has this monologue in it where he says, why should we feel sorry for these people? And you go like, what? But he says some things that make you go, huh? (laughs) Maybe we shouldn't. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't, you know, like maybe there is maybe we, and in some ways it, it, to me, it said like, we all created this situation, mm-hmm. you know, like it wasn't just, it wasn't just these people. We were all somehow complicit in it. You know, there was things absolutely that, you know, we're ignorant about that. We just, we, the, the average person couldn't be expected to understand all of this. But the thing is, is that maybe we just didn't care enough to try and understand it. Yeah. Right. And, and that's kind of the problem. And that's what he was saying. It's like, people just want to leave it to us and da, 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 da. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, I was reading a book. I read a whole bunch of books recently. And uh, one of the books I read, which I don't recall the name at the moment, but I'll probably throw it on the thread uh, just so you can look at it if you want, but was about, um, it's about money and financing and investing in stocks and all of that. I've read so many books, I don't even remember the title of it. So I'm not going to pick which one because I'll probably say the wrong one at the moment. But um, they're talking about the stocks and the way you invest. And most people, they they really don't want to take care with their money. They, you know, and I, I know this is a bit of a side topic, but just from what you're talking about, and they don't want to take care of things. They don't. They don't. They want someone else to kind of just manage it for them. And so, like when a lot of people invest, they invest in stocks without like, and, and this book was pointing out like they, they don't research the business. They don't look at what the business has been doing and they don't look at the CEO that's running the business and how is the CEO handling things. And he, and basically in this, this author was pointing out about how, like, if you were to invest in a company, like you would really care about that company. You'd care what would happen with it. And if you're, 
you know, if you're just kind of like, I'm just going to put a little money here, a little money there, a little money wherever, you know, they, they're pointing out that kind of like that, that type of playing of the stocks is kind of, it, it's not only is the reward very minimal, but it also opens up for a great potential of loss because you're not putting a lot of care into things. Right. And so, you know, to just to bring this back, it's like, you know, if you look at yourself, like we're all, we're all a stock, you know what I mean? You're a stock, Emilio, you're a stock, I'm a stock, we're all a stock, right? And when you, the people you invest in, if you really invest in them, you're going to want to care. How are they handling their life? How are they showing up? What are they doing? And I think that if we look at ourselves that way, if you want great things to happen in your life, and it kind of, the book, in, in, in a way kind of points back to this. I mean, maybe not directly, but indirectly to me, it kind of points back to the whole thing is like, how much care are you taking in the decisions and the things that you do in your own life? Like how much you're leaving up to someone else? Well, yeah. And I mean, and in this particular example, you know, it's like, well, okay. So if, if you're just blindly trusting somebody, if you're, if you're kind of somewhat negligent yourself and you're just like, well, I don't really care how it happens or who does it, you know, but if like I'm getting returns, then good for me. How is that attitude any different from what a lot of these guys did on Wall Street? Yeah. Like, that's not to say that it's right. No. By any stretch of the no, imagination. We're not saying that. No. But the thing is, is that there's an element of understanding of, on a, on a more general human understanding of just like, well, I just want something that's going to be good for me. So no. in that way, everybody... It's kind of the same <laughs> well, in that and, whole and, situation. And I want to, I want to, because we're on a little bit of a rift here again. And I, I just, you know, I was having a conversation with someone the other day, and they were telling me about how these friends of theirs were supposed to tell them about something. It was a really important event, and um, they were saying, "Yeah, they were supposed to tell me, but they didn't tell me." And they told everyone else, but they didn't tell me. And they were really upset about it. And they're saying, you know, I care so much about these people and stuff. And, um, you know, I said to them, and I think this is very common with people where we say, you know, I care so much about these friends of mine. I care so much about these people in my life, but we don't actually care about them as much as we think. We actually care a lot about ourselves because we go, this is how you made me feel. You did this and I feel this way. Instead of us going, huh, they did that. I wonder how they're feeling. I wonder what's going on for them that they would think not to call me first or whatever. You know what I mean? But we talk a lot about how we care about other people. And I think we spend a lot of time caring really about ourselves and saying that we care about other people. And I think that this is very indicative of why we actually don't have a lot of integrity in our art. Because if you're thinking about your art, like, like, the, uh, like I read so many books, there's so many great things I got, but they were, there was one thing they were pointing out in one of the books, which is a totally different one, but they're saying like, you know, art is to a great degree, it's, um, you know, actually in Big Magic, I, I read that, they talk about Big Magic, and they talk about how it's kind of cathartic, you know, to be, in, to be an artist, if you're making your art for someone else, you know, you're kind of, you're, in some ways you're getting away from it, but, uh, you know, in a certain way, your art you know, there's art for you because you want to express yourself. You want to do your art. But there's another thing is like, I want to communicate and I want to, and, and if you want to communicate is where, you know, bring it back to you, Emilio is where there's courage, you know, it takes courage to communicate. And if you're worried about what other people think, instead of worrying about how that affects you, 
what they think, but maybe ask yourself, why would they feel that way? You know, why would they feel so upset? And like, you know, maybe it's good that I help them feel uncomfortable. Like, do you want to like walk around? Like, I think an artist that's trying to make everybody happy and everybody comfortable their whole life is going to probably be the worst artist in the world. I mean, productively, because the thing is, you're going to try to communicate and cater to everybody. Yeah, I mean, and then you have to put up the philosophical argument that is, is it, is it then art? Is it, is it even art at that point? Exactly. (laughs) You know, and and this is, you know, you can bring it back here, right? Like where you, you write your script, you know, you're crossing cultures, you're doing things. Is he Mexican? Is he, you know, Arabic? Is he Canadian? What is he? Right. And like, you might offend people. I don't know what you did with the third act, but you're saying you're scared of it. (laughs) You might offend people, but then if you're not willing to offend anybody, like, do we really want a whole world of art that's just trying to make us all like happy and make everybody like feel like, Oh, okay. That was very safe. And you know what? It doesn't offend me. <laughs> or just... Oh, but, but the thing is, yeah, just, sort of one thing is that you never... It's, it's impossible to make everybody happy. It's impossible. No, it's oh, impossible. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, it's... And the thing is, like, do we want to, you know, do stuff that's mindless? There's enough mindless stuff that's out there and on our screens and in our in our Life. movie theaters... And even in, even in on stage, you know, there's stage like, which is, which is often held as being this holy ground for performance, but it's like, there's Uh, a lot of garbage that goes on there too. Mm -hmm. You know, like where stuff that's just so devoid, that's all about just pleasing and, oh, don't want to make people think, you know, there's, it's, don't be part of that. No. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think, you know, and, and you look at, you know, you look at the people who are really making like great stuff and who really get, who break through, they're usually touching on stuff that's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It's not the comfortable stuff that, that makes an impact with us. It's the uncomfortable stuff. It's, you know, the stuff that, and you know what, if, if I think if you're going to write something and nobody's going to dislike it, then you probably really messed up. I mean, you know, like I remember watching the departed, and people were so pissed off at the way it ended. Like, I hate that movie. I hate the way it ended. I, <laughs> I sit in the theater for all this time, and then that happens, and whatever. And I'm not going to oh, say it. All the people say it. Yeah, oh, exactly, say- this is exactly the, the, the Chinese, you know that it's a Chinese. Yeah, movie, right? yeah, yeah. And everybody's saying, like, it was the copycat. Well, so someone's going to complain, right? But <laughs> you know what? The, the, the impact of that film and what they were trying to do was a risk. Yeah. You know what I mean? But and what are you going to do? We would, if, ever, if you're trying to keep everybody happy, you'd never have an ending yeah. like that. Things would never work out that way. They'd always be predictable. Yeah. And we'd get bored. Yeah, and, I mean, and the thing is, is also yeah. this, uh, there's, to me, there's this illusion that it's like, oh, well, you can't make, you can't make entertainment for people. Because I see the value of entertainment. Absolutely. I think people, I, I think that we need to be entertained, you know? Yeah. We need to to have that sort of joyful experience, but that doesn't mean you can't make people think like, yeah. like when I think of something like, um, the, you know, which I thought was tragically somewhat overlooked at, at the, a lot of awards this year, but Sicario was an incredible film. I thought, no, Oh, oh, oh okay. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's a good film. It's a yeah. good film. And it just the didn't thing- hire any Mexican to play Mexican, which is just stupid. But oh, okay. So, <laughs> Casting was your issue. All right. Yeah, casting was. But aside good. from that, but as that, far as a film, like it's a good thing, film. Yeah, the thing that it was like that was a, a a film that had me like it had action. It had like me on yeah. the edge of my seat. Like it was. It took it's me good. on a ride. Yeah. That's entertainment. Yeah. But it made me think mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> a lot about this issue. 
And it's like, so why, why do we feel like there's this separation that these yeah. things can't exist? You know, I don't know, why that there has to be a separation between art and entertainment? Uh, yeah. When I was in acting school, I was uh, five years in university doing acting school. So it's a public university in Mexico, and it's very difficult to get in that school. But anyways, um, art was like, you know, it's a religion. Theater is a religion, and, and blah, 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 and art. And, and if you dare to say you watch Titanic, you know, you get crucified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just have to watch Tarkovsky and all these German films. And I mean, I love that film, but it's just, it was just, I, I never understand this separation between doing art and entertaining. You know, because at the end of the day, we have to entertain, you know. <laughs> and, but we, we express ourselves in the way we want, right? But yeah, I, I never understand this separation between art and entertain. It shouldn't be. If you're writing something, entertain and say something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? It's doable. <laughs> it's doable, of course. Yeah, it's doable. And, and it's I, cool. Yeah. I mean, you don't... It, it's, it's all balance, you know. It's not about, like... like if everything is entertainment, you know, and you and you have no depth in it, then you know you've you've gone too surface, you know, you've gone too far, right? But if everything is depth and you gotta feel this and it's so harsh, you know, and there's no entertainment, like you've gone too far the other way. It's I think a, a real artist, no, a, an artist who is who is masterful is very good at finding the balance because that's hard to do. You know, it's easy to just do straight entertainment. Yeah. It's easy to just do, I'm going to do something shocking and hard and dark. But it's it's hard to mix all that stuff in and make this perfect stew that like has me feeling one moment, laughing the next, you know, on yeah. the edge of my seat in another moment. I mean, that's a ride, you know. But yeah. if it's just like, like I remember watching one movie, uh, I think Christian Bale was in it and, and my friend and I watched it. It's something about harsh times. I think it was, but it was just okay. like super dark and it, it's not that I didn't like the movie, but it was very, very bleak, just very bleak. Not a lot of redeeming elements in it. And so I remember watching it with my friend and he, afterwards he was like, Whoa, that was bleak. Like that was just bleak. And I, and I remember thinking, yeah, like I didn't feel a lot, because there wasn't enough highs to feel the lows. It was just kind of a lot of low. And then just like, how much lower can we go? How much worse can this get? How much harsher can this be? You know, and in a sense, it's like, without us kind of finding some light, the darkness is just kind of dark. It's like, yeah. whatever. You know? I, I have yeah. a, a good example of sure. how that. Beautiful. Um, Gonzalez Señorito. I don't know if you watch that movie. Oh, yeah, no, Beautiful. I have. Oh, that I was know, one of That them. was with uh, Javier Bardem. Yeah. In yeah, it. don't watch. One best. Don't watch. <laughs> I've been meaning to watch. That was on my list. Oh my god, it's oh. so heavy, and it's just uh, too much. Okay. As you just said, like you need a little light, you know. It's not humor. You just need a little bit of hope, right? Beautiful. Right. Oh, so no, I, I was thinking, life is beautiful. I think I did no, see this no, movie. No. Beautiful. Beautiful. We have Javier them, which yeah. is in Spain, and and it's about like. It's about Muslim integration, but with um, you know that's probably why that movie didn't stand out as much as it could have because it was more dark. I mean, you know, the it was thing dark, is, but it was too dark. It was like, yeah. come on, it's but that's, too much. I think yeah. that's what happens, you know, because there's going to be people on here who are like, I love that movie. It's really great. But the thing is, is like, it's it, when you look at it comparatively. When you look at it comparatively to experience, unless there's some, I mean, there's always going to be kind of 
the oddball viewer in a sense where you know you love a film because for some reason it spoke to you personally and you yeah, know what of course the film is a success in that sense but mm-hmm. you know when you're looking at getting movies made and, and moving things forward you're not trying to communicate to the masses but you're also you are trying to communicate to at least a niche group of people not yeah. just yeah. one person i mean there's always that saying like if i made this movie and one person was Im- impacted by it that would be great and yeah that's kind of true but I mean, movies will not get made if they only please one person, you know what I mean? <laughs> Other than you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, in some ways, we do, need to, we do need to think like, you know, uh, but, I, but I think that in art, I, 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 my, the point is, is not like, does that make great art? Does that make whatever? But I think some of these movies that we think are really good, they could actually be better if we found mm-hmm. ways to find the light in the darkness or the yeah. darkness in the light, you know? Well, I, mean, I, I feel like hope is one of these these things that that sustains us as people it's one of the truths about who we are as humanity mm-hmm. is hope mm-hmm. is something that we always hold on to i mean mm-hmm. and throughout time like you look at something that we all know romeo and juliet yeah you know it ends with both of them killing themselves you know over it. but the family resolves their issues because of what happened mm-hmm. right like it is mostly very dark mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, yeah, the it's way that it finishes, story. but it's not, <laughs> but it's not, it's not all for naught. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's, <laughs> it has this glorious kind of innocent love story that's going on, you know, amongst it. And I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. I remember that reading that as a teenager and I mean, if any, but like, some, and, you know, I know some people like, like when they're younger, they just like, eh, I don't want to read Shakespeare. I don't want to get into it or whatever, but I remember reading it and being like, yeah, it's, you know, that's how it feels. I mean, it's how it feels like you can't live with this other, without this other person. You know, you just, you just have no, there's no jadedness about how you look at love. There's just, it's just, I want this person, you know, I want to, and I'm willing to bear my soul on the line and stuff. And then, you know, what I didn't really realize as a teenager was all this backstory that's going on about these families and all this stuff that like, even as a teenager, I kind of like, none of that matters. And that's kind of how like they are. Yeah. Like, you know, they're almost like, none of that matters. They're just, you know, in a sense, trying to just be young kids in love. Right. But anyway, I digress. I, I think that, you know, it has the lightness, you know, that's why Shakespeare yeah. was really great. Even in his comedies. Even in his tragedies, but yeah. In, in his in his, comedies, but well, in his comedies, he finds the depth. Dark. Yeah. And then in his tragedies, he found the light. I mean, that's why he's Shakespeare. That's why he's, you know, and we can all take a note. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's get back to your script. So we never actually did this. Why don't we, why don't you, t- yeah. we're going to wrap it up pretty quick here, but yeah. why don't you tell us the synopsis of the story from you? Um, yeah. Um, so it's a story about uh, a Lebanese Canadian family that um, migrated from, from Beirut in 1975. And then they were separated and then Years later, living in Vancouver, they receive a letter that one of the members of the family is alive and is living in Mexico. So they start this journey to and, look and for... And it's the, son, the father and son. The father and son. Yeah. Who start the journey looking for the lost uncle. I mean, it's not lost, it's just it's in Mexico, but they don't know where it's here. So that's the main plot. And then... And then you have your subplots to kind of enhance and, the, yeah. the story. Of yeah. The, Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I'm excited for this this table read we got coming up here. Yeah, I have not read the script yet. I'm coming Good. totally fresh. Good, because no, the one so that I send you is yeah, it's not 
Oh, okay. So I'll need to get the yeah. new new copy. Yeah, then. Read it. yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's see. Thank you for inviting me, guys. It's, oh yeah. It's well, before before we get too crazy and wrap this up. <laughs> yeah, we. Oh yeah, we've got to talk <laughs> gotta, about the beer. We've got to mention this. Yeah. Beer. Now, tell me, tell me. I I really like this one. You like this one? I like this one for it's, it's a really dark. Yeah, it's dark, dark brew, but it's. It's not too heavy, no, you know. It's yeah, still it's nice true. and. Um, it's still nice and crisp. Like it definitely has coffee notes in it. Yeah, for sure. But like it's it's crisp. Like it's refreshing. <laughs> so this one's called the Geezer. Hmm. It's 5%. It's an English porter, a dry English porter. Ah, yes. And, okay. And uh, Brassneck went out today because they're, they're close to where I live. And I was, <laughs> I was in a rush and, uh, you know, and we, we have drinking a bit of Brassneck, but Brassneck, two thumbs up. I'm, I'm really happy with this one. You five, know, okay. 5% Bra- alcohol. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, Brassneck, you know, they're one of those places that whenever I meet people who are visiting the city, because, you know, Vancouver has a lot of tourists, lots of people come to see to see this fair place wedged between the mountains and the sea. <laughs> and uh, and I always tell people when they come up looking for beer, I said, you got to go to Brassneck. What is Brassneck? It's the, it's the brewery. In I never, this, what is it? Oh, it's just on Main and... Seventh. Seventh? No, Sixth. Sixth. Main sixth. and Sixth Avenue. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and you know one thing I notice about them is that they are really good at changing up their beers. So every time you go, or every time I go, I find there's always something else. And usually, like, there's a few different options. They're mm-hmm. really they're really good about changing it up. Yeah. So I, I think that creates a great, and, and consistently, I'm finding that I'm really enjoying their beers. Like, you know, sometimes they change, like, beer, craft beer places will change it up, and you're like, ah, oh, I didn't... That one was okay, you know, whatever, but they, they, they have your favorites that you always kind of go to. Yeah. Um, the they, hibiscus weed ale, which we haven't enjoyed on the show. That's, yeah. They didn't have the hibiscus one. weed ale in oh, today. Oh, really? But I, but I think that's... It's a popular one. It's a popular one. You know, they got one, uh, actually, an interesting one. I almost got this other one. I'm just going to say as a side note. Magic Beans, which was actually uh, a J, from J.J. Bean. Mm. Oh, yeah, and it was a coffee beer, and it actually really tasted like coffee. It was, oh. a, it was a pretty good little brew. Cool. cool. Anyway, so Brassneck. Yeah, All thank right. you. That well, was good. That was very good. Closing comments. Closing comments. Okay, so Emilio, what we usually like to do is after a talk like this, we like to just wrap it up and say, what's the one takeaway that you have from this talk that you got that you would want to share with other people? And you don't have to go first. One of us can say if we do. Um, but we try to do a takeaway. Evan, you got one that you have a takeaway today? Um, I mean, for me, I, the big thing for me is, is I'm, I'm fascinated by this story that you wrote. Thank Emilio. you. I, the, the culture and that's involved with it and taking on something that you didn't know a whole lot about but you took it on because there was a story there. There's a story that you wanted to tell and to be and, and courage, you know, have the courage to tell these things. It might seem kind of crazy. You're like, what do I know about any of this? Well, you'll find out. Yeah. You'll find out. (laughs) You'll find out. So, and, and to speak, to speak as truthfully as you can when you're doing it, don't, don't be afraid to, to say, to say what your truth is Exactly. and put it out there. That's for me what, what this, what this is, uh, what I've, I've, is most 
prevalent in my brain right now. Yeah, I was going to say, and I was going to say courage. I mean, you point, when we hit that point where you're talking about courage, you know, I was scared to do this and and you went for it. I mean, I I don't know how it's going to read. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm really excited to read what you were courageous enough to write because that's exciting to me. I mean, and I think that anyone on the other side of this call, like if you're thinking like, this script and and someone says, you know, I was scared to write this immediately. You're going to be like, I want to read what they were scared to write because you know, don't you? Because I want to read that now. And I think that that is is a really good point for us all takeaway is that it's the, it's the courageous stuff that we're all begging to read. We don't want to read your safe crap. We want to read your, your stuff that you're scared to say, because that's probably deep down something that we're thinking or feeling or whatever. And you know what? It'll be interesting because you know what? There'll be somewhere to go from there. And, yeah. and, and courage to me is kind of swinging for the fences. You know, you swing and you kind of go, okay, well, you know what you can do. And now you can always pair it back. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, that, that's what I took away from it myself. Yeah. How about you? Anything you want uh, to leave anyone with? I'll, I'll, I think, um, yeah, courage is one of the main thing. Another is uh, just do the things, just do it. And then, on the way you'll find people like you guys that give you advices and then like and then don't be afraid to go back to zero and start again you know and then move forward and and then if you have to come back go again and um, talked about uh, talk with people and they will help you I mean friends or no friends they will help you you're not you feel like you like you feel like you're alone you know like but you're not you know you're somebody willing to give you an advice or to tell you something or give you courage whatever so yeah so it's nice it's yeah yeah and, you know even great. if you don't have friends i mean contact us <laughs> yeah. you know maybe we can give you some advice yeah you know it's so you know, funny we're, right? we're, we're here that's what we're trying to do we're trying to help people right yeah absolutely and, and it's so funny you know we are we're always so afraid to ask for help mm-hmm. but the thing is is that people are so willing to offer help mm-hmm. you know people want to help yeah that's it's a crazy thing mm-hmm. that we have <laughs> like yeah. when you think of, like when somebody comes and they ask you for help how often have you just been like, no, no, I don't have time for this. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like, and then it's they, like, no, it's like, yeah. yeah, how can I help? Like almost everybody has that response, but we're, and what's the worst that can happen? Like you say, no, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, if you, I think if you genuinely also for asking for help, I'll just leave. I just want to leave with this point is asking for help is that if you, if you ask for help in a very entitled way, like, or some ulterior motive in asking those people for help, then it's probably not going to work out too well. But if you go to someone, you say, you know, like the way you approached me was, was a very classy way. You said, you know, Brandon, I really would appreciate your opinion and I value it. And I think that you could contribute. Would you mind? And you validated me and you kind of acknowledged me as someone who you would, would value information from. I mean, I felt like you were already appreciative of it, regardless of if I said yes or no. And t- to me, it was like, well, you know, I'm available. Let's do it. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously, if, you know, we get a massive amount of followers or people and we get like a thousand scripts, it's not going to happen. But ask <laughs> us, you know, because we could refer it. I mean, you know, there's lots of other people that you know, yeah. I know, Emilio knows, everybody knows. So <laughs> we'll figure it out, you know, but yeah. but we're a resource. That's why we're here. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, All right. I, I like this one. I like this one, too. Thank you. Let's Thanks go. for being here, Emilio. Thank you for having me, guys. 
Yeah, and keep writing your script. Yeah, of course. All On right. the next ones. <laughs> that was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks. Thanks.